From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Thank you for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that focus on the Savior Himself, as revealed in His teaching and miracles, His atoning death on the cross, and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Christ has grace without measure in himself, but he has not retained it for himself. As the reservoir empties itself into the pipes, so has Christ emptied out His grace for His people. Of His fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. He seems only to have in order to dispense to us. He stands like the fountain, always flowing, but only running in order to supply the empty pitchers and the thirsty lips which draw nigh unto it. Like a tree, He bears sweet fruit, not to hang on boughs, but to be gathered by those who need. Grace, whether its work be to pardon, to cleanse, to preserve, to strengthen, to enlighten, to quicken, or to restore, is ever to be had from Him freely and without price. Nor is there one form of the work of grace which He has not bestowed upon His people. As the blood of the body, though flowing from the heart, belongs equally to every member, so the influences of grace are the inheritance of every saint united to the Lamb. And herein there is a sweet communion between Christ and His church, inasmuch as they both receive the same grace. Christ is the head upon which the oil is first poured, but the same oil runs to the very skirts of the garments, so that the meanest saint has an unction of the same costly moisture as that which fell upon the head. This is true communion, when the sap of grace flows from the stem to the branch, and when it is perceived that the stem itself is sustained by the very nourishment which feeds the branch. As we day by day receive grace from Jesus, and more constantly recognize it is coming from Him, we shall behold Him in communion with us, and enjoy the felicity of communion with Him. Let us make daily use of our riches, and ever repair to Him as to our own Lord in covenant, taking from Him the supply of all we need, with as much boldness as men take money from their own purse. 
One of the most precious gifts God has given to mankind is the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. For those in the English-speaking world, the ability to own a copy of God's Word is taken for granted. Indeed, many of us possess multiple copies of the Bible. Yet, this was not always the case. There was a time when attempts to translate the Bible into the language of the common people were met with persecution and even death. Men like John Wycliffe and William Tyndale were hunted like outlaws simply because they labored to give God's word to people in the language they could understand. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make available a booklet that briefly traces the history of those efforts. Entitled, How We Got Our English Bible, this short publication tells the story of the development of the authorized version of the Scriptures as we know it. 
including the enormous impact of the invention of printing upon the spreading of God's Word. Published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, this booklet is free to all who request it. Simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of How We Got Our English Bible, and we'll be happy to provide it. As Dr. Cairns continues these studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ, he commences a message entitled, Our Lord's Lessons for Living. In Matthew chapter 17 and 18, the Lord Jesus revealed to his disciples that he would suffer, die, and rise again at Jerusalem. Yet they failed to grasp his words, and instead they squabbled about which of them would have the best place in Christ's kingdom. How often we, too, are distracted by incidental matters instead of concentrating on the primary object of living for Christ in this world. In the face of the disciples' dullness, the Lord Jesus manifested much patience, even as he does with us. In the course of this message, Dr. Cairns will show how Christ took what appeared to be unrelated events to teach his disciples lessons for life. Now Dr. Cairns introduces this message. Our Lord's Lessons for Living. Now this morning we're reading, as we continue the studies in the life of Christ, in Matthew 17, starting in verse 22 and then reading into chapter 18. Verse 22 of Matthew chapter 17. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. When they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? He saith, Yes. When he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children 
or of strangers. Peter saith uh, unto him, Of strangers. Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, and cast an hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That take, and give unto them for me and thee. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child, in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off, and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye, rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is come to see of that which was lost. How think ye? If a man of a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, Doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and go into the mountains, and uh, seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish." Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church, but if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Then came Peter to him, 
and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. And we finish in verse 22. The Lord Jesus goes on to tell a parable to emphasize that last truth. But we will finish at verse 22, and the Lord will bless the reading of his word to our hearts for his own name's sake. As the Lord Jesus Christ's great Galilean ministry drew towards its close, his days seemed to be ever more busy and crowded. As his life sped toward its ordained and wonderful consummation, his disciples seemed to remain almost unaware of the significance of what he said and what he did. When the Lord Jesus spoke plainly about having to go up to Jerusalem, about being put to death, and then rising from the dead, they didn't really grasp the significance of what he said. Yet they spoke heatedly. This is a a rather bleak insight into the nature of even good men. While he was speaking about going to the cross, prophesying what would happen there when he got to Jerusalem, talking about his resurrection and his kingdom, they were speaking heatedly, arguing about his kingdom but only in the light of the place they would occupy in it. The glory that they would have. They were taking it for granted that these twelve would be the greatest in the kingdom, and they were disputing who among themselves would be the greatest of the great. It's obvious that these disciples of Christ were still wedded to the earth and to all things earthly. They couldn't yet soar to the heights of the heavenly vision that the Lord Jesus Christ was setting before them. Like the rest of us, and I emphasize that because the more you read of these people, the more you're thankful that the Holy Spirit honestly and graciously recorded these black things about them, because when you read of them, you see a bit of yourself. And that, in a strange way, gives you hope. For like the rest of us, they were unable to grasp great spiritual realities. Not only so, but as they thought they were grasping spiritual realities— they misconstrued them, or they dragged them down to the level of their own crude prejudices. And if time permits, we'll get far enough to see that this morning. Yet these were the men through whom, in just over one year's time, 
the Lord Jesus Christ was about to start shaking the world as it had never been shaken before and as it would never be shaken again until the time of his coming. These men, so limited, they couldn't understand the plainest statements, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. They were sorry at the sound of the word death, but they could no more understand than if the Lord Jesus had been speaking in a foreign language. What they did think they understood, they perverted. And yet, these were men in training to change the world. Gives you a wee bit of hope. When you look at yourself, you wonder, how slow can the process of sanctification really be? Now, I know that hypocrites look at other people and wonder that. That's the mark of the hypocrite, or one of the marks. He's always quick to see how slow sanctification is in other people. But every genuine child of God, everyone that would meet, for example, the description that we have in Ezekiel 9 of those who sigh and cry after God because of the abominations that are abroad in the land, people like that, are always amazed at how slow sanctification is in their own lives. Sometimes you're tempted to despair that you'll ever amount to anything in the work of God. Sometimes you're tempted to give up hope that God will ever be able to do anything great or glorious or worthy of his name through you. You seem to slip back more than you proceed forwards. And yet, when you look at these men who had so much to learn, you thank God that they had a Savior who had so much to teach them. And they had the patience to do it. We are always so people overboard very quickly. If the Lord had done that with the disciples, there never would have been a Pentecost. There never would have been an early church. And there never would have been a worldwide, world-changing revival. But he took these men where he found them, as he takes you and me where he finds us. And he takes the time, and he exhibits the patience, and he teaches us the things that we need to learn. Now, we do need to learn them. And I trust we will begin learning. When you look at this, this part of the ministry of Christ, you'll see that he spent his time more and more as he approached the end of his earthly life, he spent his time more and more getting his disciples alone and teaching them and equipping them for the work of his kingdom. When you read Matthew 17, the latter part of the chapter, Matthew 18, when you read the parallel passages in Mark 9 and Luke 9, what you have is a series of apparently unrelated events. You have the story we have read of Christ and the taxman. Then you have the question, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? If you turn over to the 
parallel passages in Mark and Luke, you'll discover that there were two incidences of peculiar Jewish bigotry from James and especially from John, the disciple of love, the disciple who laid his head on Jesus' breast. You don't expect it from John somehow, but he wanted first of all to shut up the person who was casting out devils in the name and with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not following us. Shut him up. Then when they came to a village of the Samaritans that didn't receive the Lord Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. He said, well, we do what Elijah did. He called down fire and the prophets of Beal. Let us call down fire. That's what I mean when I say they were willing to pervert what they did know to the levels of their own crude prejudice and bigotry. Jesus said, you know not what spirit you're of. And then there's this passage we read this morning about forgiveness of sins. Will I forgive a, a brother who offends me? Will I forgive him once or seven times? Jesus said, till 70 times seven. Now, on the surface, this is just a series of unrelated events. But what they have in common is this, that the Lord Jesus took every one of these events and he used it to bring his disciples into the school of true spiritual discipline and to prepare them for his service. In other words, he took these things and as a master teacher, he used them as ways of getting vital spiritual instruction over to people whom he was going to launch forth in a great work for himself. The Lord Jesus has much to say to us on the very same subjects. And I want us to start looking at these and see some of these lessons for Christian living that the Lord Jesus gives to us, his people. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. Music.